This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We start our theme, Courage in Crisis. And I was just thinking about this, that, you know, um, this theme was decided, and I'm sure you all know, uh, it, was, it has been advertised for about three weeks now, and uh, uh, this theme was decided before we went into our elections. Uh, It seems like God was preparing us for something. But uh, I want us to know this, and I'm going to go quick because there's a a lot of scripture that we need to share today and quite a bit that we have to go through. But today I'm going to minister on, if you want a title for the message, it's Good or God. That's the title of the message, Good or God. You know, the earth and our environment is constantly evolving. Crisis results in or from change. Crisis includes such things as job changes, or in our case here in this country, no job changes, family conflicts, social conflicts, social pressures, pressures from elections or lack thereof, Relationship dynamics, divorce, death, breakups, sickness, diseases, all force changes upon us. And the list is endless of the things that we suffer. And these things, where change comes, inevitably brings crisis. So crisis in itself results in or from change. Therefore, unlike most of what everyone else believes, that as long as you and I are here on earth, both change and crisis are a permanent feature. Because the only thing that is constant in our lives is change. As you sit there, time is changing. So crisis is common to life. Crisis is normal to life. No one can live in this world without crisis. Now, I know that's not a popular thing to hear, but I think until we face that reality, that as long as we have change, we will have crisis. It is therefore fallacy for one to believe that they will be without crisis. It is fallacy to believe that being blessed means the absence of crisis. In fact, it's the other way around. The blessed life is evidence of being a blessed life because that life has learned to live above and overcome crisis. Psychologists preach that people control the outcomes of their crisis. Take charge of your destiny, they say, is the battle cry. In their theories, they give humans the dual responsibility of dealing with crisis and also controlling the outcome. This is a half-truth and a half-reality. Because yes, it is true that God charges us with the responsibility 
to conduct ourselves in a manner that is consistent with his word and his crisis through Christ, uh, and, and his character through crisis. But he controls the outcome, not us. Our responsibility is the response, as Pastor Bonnie says, our response determines our destiny. The response, our response to crisis, whether it's in a godly manner that is consistent with his word and his character, or it's in a worldly manner, or natural manner, that comes from natural wisdom. The difference between these two theories of thought even though they seem close, are eternally significant. The Bible records that God brings us out so that he may bring us in. However, when God brings us out of something and is taking us into something or bringing us into something, he's often silent on the in-between. He says, I'm taking you out of Egypt and into the promised land. He's silent about the wilderness. He says, go and spy the land for your God who has promised to your forefathers this land. It is good, his good pleasure to give you the land as an inheritance. And he's silent about the grapes. Uh, sorry, silent about the giants. He does tell them about the grapes. He said it is a land flowing with milk and honey. But silent about the giants. Why is God silent about the in-between? And why is it that the in-between becomes so important to us that it can actually cost us our destiny. Think about how we have made a place or places where God is silent more important than where he speaks. Deuteronomy 6, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from verse 23 to 25. The Bible says this, but it says he brought us out of there to bring us into and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all his decrees and to fear our Lord, our God, so that we would always prosper and keep us alive. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord, our God, as he has commanded us, that we will be our right, that will be our righteousness. Let's deal with the first part in verse 23. That God brings us out so he can bring us into. The children of Israel have been in bondage for 400 years. This is the backstory. For over 400 years they've been in bondage in, 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 in Egypt. And to lead them out of bondage, they had to face things they had never faced before. They had not faced the crisis of Pharaoh's wrath. 
in the way that they had. They were facing the crisis of a new leader in Moses who was a fugitive, a criminal. One who had been trained in Pharaoh's palace, been responsible for killing a man, and been out of their lives for 40 years while they labored in slavery. That's a crisis. When he finally, when God finally leads them out by these things they have never seen before, they see 10 plagues come against the Egyptians. They see these outstanding things that they've never seen. Finally, Pharaoh lets them go. And this God leads them by the way of the Red Sea. He leads them out of Egypt towards the Red Sea. And you all know what happened when he led them towards the Red Sea. The uh, Egyptians decided to change their minds and go after the children of Israel. And here they were between the place God had taken them out of and the place that God was taking them to was the Red Sea. And the Egyptians began to follow them. So between the Red Sea and where they were, where the Egyptians were coming to kill them, they were stuck. Why would a God who's leading you out lead you to a place where you're stuck? Why would he lead you to a place of silence? Why would he lead you to a place where he's not warned you? So listen to their response. And this, this is good, right? If, if, if it were me, let's not look at, if it were me, I'd be saying, man, what, you know, have, have you not had those, what sort of God is this? Surely there's another way. Surely, surely if you could slay all the firstborns of Egypt. And surely if you could cause the Nile to have blood. Surely if you could rain locusts, knots, and all these things. Surely, Lord, surely there's another way that doesn't lead us to getting stuck. So they said to Moses in Exodus 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to die in the desert? What have we done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. You see, when God is bringing us out of something, the true battle and the true question is, who do you serve? And when he's bringing us out of something and into something, he's bringing us out of that which bonds us into that which brings liberty, which is serving him. So they say, man, man, leave us. We wanted, we, it would be better that we serve the Egyptians than to be in this place that we're stuck and we die. Had God forgotten 
that when he made the earth in his geographical plan, the Red Sea was there. Had God forgotten somehow as he led the children of Israel that he was leading them by the way that they would get stuck? Had he forgotten to silence and annihilate the Egyptians completely who were hot on their trails? Listen to Moses' answer. Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not be afraid. Stand firm, which means take courage. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. These Egyptians that you see today, you will see no more. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So most times, could it be that when God's leading us out and we encounter a moment of silence, deliverance is taking place? Could it be that if we refuse to go to that place of silence, we're refusing our deliverance? Could it be that if we refuse to go the way that God has shown us to go, that may have giants, that may have the Red Sea, that may have opposition, that may have crisis definitely, could it be that we're actually signing our bondage into being to serving another God? Then the Lord said to Moses, why are they crying out to me? Tell them to move on. Turn to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. Divide the waters and Israel will go through dry ground. It did not catch God by surprise that they were stuck at the Red Sea. He wasn't surprised that the Egyptians were following. Tell your neighbor. God is not surprised. In fact, he wasn't understanding of their fears. He wasn't understanding of their crisis. He says, why are they crying out to me? What kind of question is that? Isn't it obvious why they're crying out? Tell them to move on. So often in times of crisis, we think of escaping from crisis. We think from escaping from that undesirable place or condition. We think in terms of avoiding crisis, problems, difficulties, punishment, correction, the hard issues of life, because we're basically negative by nature. God's viewpoint is totally different. He is positive by nature. So when he is positive by nature, the negative circumstances do not matter. That's why he's silent about them. He cannot make a big deal about what he is not. God is positive, so you will make a big deal about the positive of taking you out and you'll make a big deal about his promise. 
He will not make a big deal about what he is not. He is not crisis. He is not confusion. He is not suffering. So, because God desires that you and I are like him, through crisis, he also wants us to be still like he is. Crisis is an opportunity for transition. Transition is necessary for God to take us out from where we are into a better place. God's primary and fundamental goal in our lives is to bring us into close relationship with him. God's desire for us as his children is to be Christ-like, to bring us into his likeness and position. He had to bring us out first, out of our bad habits, out of our wrong attitudes, out of our sinful thoughts, out of our sinful ways to bring us into the kingdom of light. We must allow God to lead us out so that he can lead us in. We leave the old and enter into the new. To deliver us to salvation, God must first deliver us from sin. We go by the way of crisis. We face the reality of our condition and that we cannot remain the way we are. We must look beyond stress. The stress of the temporary and look to the glory of the permanent. We are moving from what's temporal to what's eternal. If we focus on what's temporary, we will sell our birthright. Because Esau, in a moment of hunger, in a moment of crisis, focused on the crisis of his hunger, and for a bowl of soup sold, what was eternal, what was permanent, his birthright, in his birthright in God. And the Bible says, Esau hated because he despised what was eternal in exchange for what was temporal. Your hunger will go away. Your birthright is of God. And when in a moment of crisis or in a moment of negativity, you and I decide to make that the major thing. Esau said, what good is it? What good is a birthright? What good is God's promise when we're stuck here at the Red Sea? What good is God's promise when we're stuck here as a nation? What good is God's promise when I'm stuck here and single? What good is God's promise when I'm stuck here grieving? What good is God's promise when I'm stuck here, divorced, dumped, whatever the case is, I don't know what you're suffering. I don't know what I, we don't know what we're suffering. But what good is God's promise when I'm here? 
God says, you are here because my promise is evident. The fact that you are here means I am leading you out to lead you in. Do not exchange. In a moment of silence, do not exchange what God has spoken with what you speak. God is more concerned with where we are going, more concerned with what we are becoming. He always looks at the finished product. Crisis is generally the reason for feelings of wanting to give up feelings of despair, feelings of depression. In our life, we're either leaving or we're entering. And you know, we've been taught the principle here by Pastor Tom, the way you leave is the way you enter. The children of Israel were terrified, bound by fear. They were ready to exchange. They are God. They said it would be better that we serve God than die. When they left Egypt, they were fearful. Guess what they were going to be like on entering the promised land? Fearful. It was not going to change in between. So when they came to the promised land, and it was time to enter, and they encountered giants, and a moment of silence. Because God hadn't said there would be giants. They said, hey, raise up a leader. We're going back. They were, they were, the way they were when they left is the way they were when they entered. You cannot be a lizard in Zimbabwe and then say, I want to go abroad and think you'll be a crocodile there. If you leave Zimbabwe a lizard, you enter the next place a lizard. You cannot leave Zimbabwe, listen, you cannot leave the old dispensation a lizard and say we're entering into a new dispensation as a crocodile. It violates the principles of God. If we were lizards in November, we're lizards now. If we're looking to man for deliverance in November, we are lizards now. That's why we're crying. We're still looking to man. And God's saying, no. Look to me for your deliverance. Look to me for your deliverance. Because we even hear that it, it would be better that we were under Pharaoh again. And that's the crazy cycle. That's the, we go back, oh, Pharaoh is better. Oh, shucks. Nothing has changed. The, the, our problem, our problem is not the elections. Our problem is we are lizards. And an election will not change our state. So the lizards that the children of Israel were in Numbers 14 cried out, lifted their voices, the Bible says. They lifted their voices, Numbers 14, verses 1 to 4, and cried. 
And the people wept all night, and the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Oh, if only we had died in the wilderness. Oh, if only we had died in crisis. You see, the voice of God in that moment was silent. And what God wants us to do when he is silent because he partakes not of what's negative is for us to remember when he spoke. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and go back to Egypt. Nothing has changed. We are still here believing selecting a leader will solve our problems. It will not solve our problems. Because God's desire is to take us out, to take us into him. To take us out of the bondage of man into the liberty of his son. It is folly for us to keep asking for the bondage of man when God is taking us out. He wants us to be courageous when we're leaving. He wants us to be courageous when we're entering. Because the way you leave is the way you enter. And to prove this principle, listen to what he said. When he wiped out an entire generation, save for two men. He saved two men, Joshua and Caleb. To them he said, these two have a different kind of spirit. Because when they came to a moment of crisis, when they came to a moment where God seemed silent, they remembered what God said. They said, surely we can take this land because God said so. Turn to your neighbor and say, God said so. So when a moment of crisis comes, Look for a God said so. He says, surely these guys, these uh, uh, giants will become bread to us because of the promise. Because God said we will take the land. These guys will become bread. God said so, so shall it be. When we choose to believe what we can see or what we face, we're literally saying God didn't say so. And God cannot be a part of that because he honors his word even above his name. The quickest to get God's, God's hand off us in crisis is to change, the, change our confession to our own. We need to look for our God said so in crisis. Because the God said so emboldens us, makes us courageous. If God said so, it means this situation, this crisis, this thing we face will level itself out for God said so to take place. Zimbabwe, what is our God said so?
Joshua 1, listen to what he said. He saved Joshua, saved Caleb. Listen, after this generation, this disobedient generation is wiped out, listen to what God says. He's redeeming, he's changing the script. Listen to what he says to Joshua. He says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all the people in the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel, be strong and of good courage. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land for which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do everything according to all the law of Moses, my servant, I commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you make your way prosperous and then you'll be a good success. Jo God tells Joshua, I need you to leave courageously because you need to enter courageously. Leave this place courageously. Leave this place of crisis courageously. Because I need your condition to be courageous when you get there. So that you may, whatever you face, you strengthen yourself in the word. There are three quick things I want you to take note of. One, God gives a pathway to being courageous. One, he says, observe to do. Observe his promise. Observe his word to do it according to his will. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you and I to will and to act according to his good purposes. Two, do not turn from, to the, do not turn from it. Do not turn from the crisis. Bible says that God does not delight in those that shrink back. Keep your gaze ahead. Keep your gaze on him, not behind. Tell them to move forward. God propels us forward. Three, speak it. Don't speak about the circumstances. Don't speak about the crisis. Speak about the promise. Declare his word. He says it shall not depart from your mouth. When we train ourselves to feed our spirit God's word when we don't need it, our spirit will feed our mouth God's word when we need it. You and I are in training. When we've entered a new place, a new relationship, we begin a time of abiding, of staying in him. He delivers us out of something, so into him, into abiding with him. God told Noah, 
to enter, to leave the world and enter the ark. And it was a place of incubation. It was a place of abiding with God for 40 days and more. It says Noah and his family in that time remained. They stayed in the ark. Turn to your neighbor, say, stay in the ark. When God's bringing us out, he's bringing us into staying in the ark. Jesus talked about abiding. He did the same thing. You all remember that Jesus said, in fact, before I get there, Joshua, the Bible says that when Moses would go into the tent of meeting, Joshua would go with him. But when Moses left, Joshua stayed. Joshua abided in the present. When we abide in the present, it is as good as taking courage. Through prayer in his name, according to the Spirit, believers have, believers have the right to ask of anything in prayer and it will be answered. Because Jesus said, if you abide in him, if you abide in God, you'll ask of anything and it will be done for you. It is in abiding in him through crisis that gives us strength to endure each crisis. Abiding in God is more important than experiencing a single miracle or victory. Those that move from miracle to miracle only know God's act. But God desires that we know his ways. Because once we know his ways, his acts will always follow. But we're babies, we're little children. When we constantly say, let me see your acts, let me see your acts, let me see your acts, let me see your acts. Jesus never said, if you experience God, he said, if you abide in him, if you abide in his word, if you abide in his commandments, then you shall ask, you shall know him, you shall even know what to ask for. Experiencing a victory during crisis is great, but continuously abiding in Christ is greater. Many people cannot accept this and remain spiritual babies, needing milk of the word and not taking the meat. They continuously run back and forth between opinion and sin, looking for signs and wonders. Hide God's word in your heart. If we learn to abide in him, there's a promise. There's a promise. Because we can change our outlook from saying, man, you know what? We live from crisis to crisis. God says, when you abide in me, I move you from glory to glory. From strength to strength. From faith to faith. You see, God's perspective of crisis is he's moving you forward in strength. He's moving you and I forward in glory. He's moving you and I forward in faith. So when we make the crisis the issue, we refuse to move forward in him. 
the children of Israel came out of spying the land and turned around because of the crisis and said, let us select a leader. Man's answers to crisis is let's look for a leader. The Bible says in Samuel, and that's the voice of man, let's look for a leader. It says in Samuel, when, when, when Samuel was old and his children, and he put his children in place to rule and judge over the children of Israel, they were wicked, they were corrupt, they were, uh, yeah, they were just something else. And then it says, the elders came to him and said, give us a king like the other nations. And God, and you know, this upset Samuel, obviously. And God said, Give them what they want. Listen to the voice of the people. <laughs> Listen to the voice of the people. And give them what they want. Because this didn't start now. Even though they saw the miracles I did for them while I was bringing their fathers out of Egypt, they still turned away and still served idols. Remember, they said, Moses, give us a leader so we go back and serve Pharaoh. And God points again and says, the voice of the people. And he says, warn them about what a king will do to them. But give them what they want. The voice of the people was not the voice of God. So in crisis, we can respond the same way. Give us a leader. Change the leader. It doesn't matter how many times the leader changes. If you are a lizard, you are a lizard. <laughs> and God doesn't want to rule over lizards. He wants to rule over sons. With him as the father. So as long as we're looking to another father, we're in trouble. The wisdom of man says, give us a leader in crisis. The wisdom of God says, give us the wisdom of God in crisis. Because the Bible in James says, when you face trials and tribulations, rejoice. How? Why, why would you rejoice when you're afflicted? He says, because these things works out patience in you and develops your faith. I'm, the, the fact that trials and tribulations are there is evidence that I'm moving you from something into something. Is evidence that I am at work. You are in crisis because he is at work. And moving you from bondage into him. Crisis means God wants to make your voice much smaller to make his bigger. Crisis means God wants to make your God, your God, your idol much smaller so he is much bigger. 
So God says, when Christ, when these rejoice. And then he says an interesting thing. He says, ask God for wisdom. He says, don't, don't go and choose a leader. Don't, don't go and say, now we want, we want to cast ballots, we want to cast votes. Want. No, he says, no. Ask me my opinion. Because I made the promise. Ask me what my word says. Ask me. And he says, I give that wisdom liberally and without reproach. Just ask. Oh, it's easier to ask for a leader. Easier to ask for a king. God says you have what you want. Because in silence, it's either your voice that speaks or his voice that speaks. It is a good thing to have a king. It is a good thing to have a leader. It makes sense in crisis to look to a leader. But it may not be the God thing. And Zimbabwe, if God wants to pattern this nation, if God wants to bring us out of our bondage and bring us into his wonderful light, and if that way may be that we do not look to the hills for help. He says, I look to the hills for help. Where does my help come from? It comes from him. When we look to the hills, we're not looking for the coming leader. We're looking to him, the owner, the maker of the heavens and the earth. May Zimbabwe be that pattern where we said this is a nation that did not look to the hand of man. It didn't look to the ballot box. It looked to the goodness of God. It looked to the promise of God. It looked to a word of God in a moment of crisis. May they be men and women that rise up in courage, that say, oh, wait a minute. What does God say? Not what the, what the newspapers say. Not what the newspaper agencies say. Not what social media says. What does God say? In a moment of crisis, we're not looking to change leadership. We're looking for God to change our hearts with his word. It's what Pastor Tom ministered last week. He's looking for responsible men and women that will pattern themselves after God's own heart. The conditions, the crisis doesn't matter. The blessed life lives above the crisis. Why? Because their redeemer lives. Their sustainer lives. The one that is in them is greater than one that's in the world. I am being brought out of idolatry. My opinions, my beliefs that there will be some high king that comes and rescues us from something. Think about this. God brings them out of Egypt to bring them into his rulership. They ask and, and he brings them out and says, I, I'm going to have you subdue these nations. I'm going to have you drive them out little by little because of the wickedness that's in them. They turn back to God and said, make us like the other nations. Give us a king like the other nations. In a moment of crisis. God says, in your moment of crisis, look to me. I began your life on a positive. I will finish it on a positive. 
The Bible says that he that began a good work in you is faithful to see it to completion in Christ Jesus. Look unto him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God will not complete that which he did not author. Hmm. So don't go about running by natural wisdom and say, God, come in. He says, no, I'm not there. I'm not negative. That's why he says, in crisis, look to my wisdom. Because once you look to my wisdom, you go back into the positive and put yourself in a place where the author must finish the book. I am faithful to see to completion the good work I began in you. It is time for us to come out of looking for the good to looking for God. It is time for us to stop running by good ideas to come out of crisis, to running with God ideas to come out of crisis. Good ideas will run flat. God ideas will be strengthened because he says he moves you from glory to glory. He moves you from the kingdom of darkness into his wonderful kingdom of light of his son Jesus Christ. God is moving us. Will we trust him? Pastor Tom quoted this in the word of the year. He says, this year God's pouring out wisdom like he's never poured it out before. For those who desire it, it will counter ignorance, arrogance, violence, and hate. And with it will bring knowledge and understanding. That was before all this nonsense. Where are we going to look to? Where are we going to look to? My prayer is that we look to him. My prayer is that we look to him. The author and the perfecter of my faith. A political party is not the author and the perfecter of my faith. A political leader is not the author and the perfecter of my faith. God is the author and the perfecter of my faith. My life does not get better, does not get blessed. The Bible says we get blessed by carefully obeying him. Carefully observing what he says. That's it. That's where it says, oh, we're looking for a blessed Zimbabwe. We're just looking for change. Really? Oh, may Zimbabwe be like other nations so that we're just democratic and we can go through democratic. Really? Oh, we just, we just, you know, if it, can, if it can only be as transparent as it is in the States or, you know, or they've done it in Zambia, you know, and Zambia is turning around. Really? Which Bible is that? Blessings come out of democracy. Which Bible? Blessing. He says, if you carefully obey, do everything to be courageous in the face of crisis where everyone is losing their head to sell themselves short, to sell themselves to all these systems. He says, strengthen yourself. Be courageous to carefully obey me so that you may be prosperous and have a long life that I may bring you into that I've promised. The word of God. Look to wisdom. So what crisis are we facing? What crisis are you facing? Is it family? Conflict? He says, I have a promise. Ask for my wisdom. Is it divorce? He says, I have a promise. 
ask for my wisdom. Is this sickness? He says, ask for my wisdom. Is it death? He says, ask for my wisdom. Is it conflict? He says, ask for my wisdom. Is it economic hardships? He says, ha, 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 ha. Ask for my wisdom. For I am the one who promised. And I am faithful to see to completion that which I began. But if I don't begin it, I won't complete it. I may use it, but we'll never have God's true will. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. I know I've been through turmoil in these two weeks. Pastor Tom's word last week helped me, but it also broke me. I repented and I said, oh God, forgive me where I've used my mouth to speak people's opinions, to speak worldly opinions in a time of crisis instead of declaring your word. Oh God, forgive me for forgetting your promises. Forget not his benefits. Forget not. He says, do not turn back for forgetting your promises. I said, oh God, forgive me. Oh Oh, God, forgive me for murmuring. I'm going to do everything I can to remember what you've promised. That's what the Bible says. Timothy, Paul, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, war according to prophecy. In a time of battle, war according to what God spoken. War according to what God spoke, because that is sure. Circumstances change. Crisis changes. His word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.